1. Here we are, and welcome to episode 81 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast. Now, this is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a returning listener, of course, thank you as always for listening. And if you're not, if you're new around here, let me introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Sir Dr. JM. Why not give me a follow, especially over on Twitter? You can DM me, you can tweet at me, you can reach out to me. Uh, I would love to interact with you over there. Give me questions, comments, concerns, topics for the show. Uh, anything you'd like me to discuss about Overwatch, Overwatch 2, the Overwatch beta, the Overwatch League, anything along those lines, or just video games in general, as I do like video games. But enough with all that. We've got a show to talk about. So let's jump back in there. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that jazz. And of course, if you can't get enough of the sound of my voice, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for all things Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, of course, the leading source of Overwatch League-related uh, information around the web. Now, we've got a handful of stories to cover on this week's episode. I suspect this episode will be a little bit shorter as we don't actually have any games to uh, cover from this past weekend. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. Epic. Our first story this week is going to come from DottieSports.com with an article written on July 11th by Liz Richardson. And this, of course, touches on something we discussed last week on last week's episode. The article is titled, Vancouver Titans Picks Up Flex DPS King. The crown puns write themselves. A familiar face to North American Overwatch contenders fans will be joining the Vancouver Titans for the latter half of the Overwatch League season as the team hunts for its first win. Flex DPS King will join the Titans, according to an announcement by the team. His signing comes days after the team dropped DPS Shockwave, who had been a part of Vancouver's roster on and off for several years. That's an interesting way to put that. King is one of the most well-known names in the current North American contender circuit and has played for various teams since 2016. In the past few years, he's had a short he's had short stints on teams like Odyssey, Bobby Wasabi, and Solaris. Most recently, he's played for Wisp as well as Maryville Esports in the collegiate scene. Vancouver will now be rolling into battle with King, Aspire, and Mirror, who also pulls double duty as a tank when necessary. King's acquisition is part of the Titans' ongoing restructuring throughout the 2022 Overwatch League season. With a 0-12 record thus far, changes have been necessary. Other than Shockwave's drop, Vancouver also let both of its coaches go and picked up former Los Angeles Gladiators coach Depay last month. Luckily, the team will have some time to mesh with its new DPS since the Overwatch League is on a short summer break. Vancouver's next match will be against the Toronto Defiant on August 12th at 5pm CT. So, of course, last week we talked about the release of Shockwave and all things around that. Um, I had some interesting thoughts that I think might irk some people, but ultimately uh, I don't need to go over them. If you're curious, go check out episode 80 of One Man Watchpoint, of course, for my thoughts on Shockwave being released. Now, King being signed. This was, of course, rumored pretty heavily after Shockwave was dropped. Uh, not too unexpected, in all honesty, um, again, because of the rumors, but also with uh, Deepay making moves to hopefully build his own team uh, and find some of his own success with the Vancouver Titans and for the Vancouver Titans, of course. The other side of this is, of course, looking at King's uh, history in the league and or in and around the league, but in competitive Overwatch, I should say. 
Um, he was actually on the team, I believe, where he played with uh, Kaluj and possibly Mikey or Sam. I, I can't quite remember which. Um, down in the Contenders uh, circuit or with uh, Maryville Esports even. So that team was pretty highly sought after. And it seems like Mikey, I mean King, pardon me, was one of the uh, few remaining pieces to be to be picked up so uh not surprising to see him make the jump um obviously if you're gonna you know if if you're in the collegiate or the contender scene and you're gonna make the jump up to the overwatch league the vancouver titans uh, are apparently a destination to go to as uh you know this isn't the first time mid-season they've brought someone up like this obviously we all remember the reckoning a few years back so i digress uh should be interesting to see what happens here i don't i certainly don't think anyone would have said that vancouver needed another dps given they had aspire shockwave and mirror who as liz uh, notes in her article who does play double duty on over on tank playing a lot of doomfist um i don't think anyone would have said that if they cut a dps they would be bringing in another um i think they probably would be it would be more beneficial for them to find a second tank to pill kind of pick up some of the slack on the tank roll there but i digress uh should be interesting to see what king can do with the team now our next story is going to keep us with .esports.com. This time an article by Emily Morrow written on July 28th, which reads, Moira's necrotic orb is being reverted, Overwatch devs say. Moira's necrotic orb ability is being reverted for future betas and Overwatch League builds the Overwatch 2 te development team has revealed. In a blog post discussing post-beta changes for Moira and Mercy, the dev team explained that necrotic orb made Moira's gameplay feel too passive. Its high cooldown and strong effect meant that players tended to hold on to it while waiting for the perfect moment, which resulted in less of an impact during matches than the dev team expected. As a result, Moira became more like a typical healer with occasional bursts of damage, which doesn't match her character or gameplay role as, her old, as well as her old abilities. Necrotic Orb will be removed by the time the Overwatch League begins on August 11th. The team also discussed its changes to Mercy's Guardian Angel. During the beta, the team used the Super Jump Mercy bug as inspiration for changes that gave her more power over where she flew and at what point she landed after being in the air. In the blog post, Blizzard revealed it is testing another version of the Guardian Angel that incorporates both the Super Jump capacity and the new directional changes in order to give players more control over their path than ever. The devs noted specifically that... Uh, the new build will allow Mercy to launch straight up when cancelling Guardian Angel with Jump, but that she won't have to look up in order to travel there. Before Necrotic Orb, Moira's ability was named Biotic Orb. It allowed Moira to fire either a Damaging Orb or a Healing Orb. Both orbs shared a single cooldown, and only one could be used at a time. It had much lower cooldown than, than the Necrotic Orb, but its damage potential was slightly lower and it didn't grant the weakened debuff. So there you have it. Uh, that's that's the details on uh, on Moira and Mercy. This is sort of the state of Moira and Mercy. Now this actually comes from an article I was going to discuss later on, but I'll bring in here, uh, which reads, uh, which comes directly from the Play Overwatch team. So it's on PlayOverwatch.com/news. And it reads, one hand gives, the other takes away. Post-beta updates from Mercy and Moira. They basically go over those details of uh, Moira and Mercy and say that, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be reverting them for the time being. So the Overwatch League will not be playing on those. Or with those changes, I should say. But then they also have a note sort of at the bottom here, which wasn't touched on in that article by Emily. So I'm just going to read it here. So this is the last section of the actual news announcement from Blizzard uh, themselves. And it reads, partnering feedback with development. 
The team would like to thank everyone who's involved in the testing process. Your feedback continues to be a core component in the development of Overwatch 2. The Overwatch 2 beta allowed us to test new features and ideas, and we're super happy to get players involved in that process. We're constantly looking at player thoughts and gameplay data to help drive our decisions and the changes to Mercy and Moira. We're heavily influenced by community feedback. Make sure to keep an eye out for more information on our findings from the Overwatch 2 beta coming soon. We hear you, and we can't wait to show you what we come up with next. So I wanted to mention that because they obviously talk a lot about how these are, you know, these changes are sort of being reverted directly because of the community feedback. So that's great to hear. Um, but they also have that little tease in there that uh, they're going to be showing us more, uh, that you should keep an eye out for more information on their findings from the Overwatch 2 beta coming soon. So I'm, I'm excited and hopeful that that means we will get actual information. We might see some, you know, interesting stats from the beta character, you know, uh, character uh, I guess play amounts, the percentages or something like that. Uh, character pick rates, that's what I'm looking for. Um, success rates with different compositions. I would love to see that. Um, I, I, I love the stats that they put out sometimes about these things. And I'd also love to see what kind of tweaking they're doing as a result of that. I'm sure they have all sorts of beta notes uh, that say, you know, Reaper was a little too, too overpowered or Lucio's boop was a little too powerful and things like that. Um, so we could really see what they're actually going to change, other than obviously these two sort of pretty significant changes that are just not going to be uh, be featured at all. So, so that's that. Now, this actually ties into sort of a third, more minor story, but just a little bit of a note um, that uh, that that came out of all of this. So obviously we're we're jumping around a whole bunch here. Um, Looks like five hours ago, uh, that would be today as of recording, this is August 1st, Sean Miller, the head of the Overwatch League, actually quote tweeted or, or tweeted out a link to that article that we just read the end paragraph from on the playoverwatch.com website. And he said, I'd like to confirm that the entirety of the Summer Showdown tournament cycle will be played on a single modified patch from what Beta 2 ended on, including the Mercy and Moira updates in the link below. So he's basically saying this is essentially uh, what the final patch was that you played the Beta 2 on. However, Mercy and Moira's uh, changes will be, will be reverted, obviously. So that's great. We now know sort of uh, pretty close to what patch version um, the game will be played on. Um, so we have a pretty good idea uh, of what might be strong, what might not be so strong. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the pros really have to do, uh, especially with Junker Queen, because this means that Junker Queen will be in her pretty significant uh, original state, her pretty strong significant state. Um, however, it seems like at a high level, she still might not get picked a lot because uh, she uh, she does have some pretty significant holes in her in her kit and her play style. So I digress. In response to that, so replying to his own tweet, an hour later, Sean Miller replies to that and says, we'll have more to share on map pool specifics next week, but I will say I can't wait to see the pros compete on the beautiful new Arisol map. So uh, just a little bit of confirmation there that we will be getting the uh, the interesting, the the awesome new uh, Lucio map coming into the map pool. Um, so a little bit of a tease there. And obviously another tease that we're going to actually be hearing more either in the coming days uh, or at least it seems like in the coming in the next week here so up here in canada today is monday august 1st which is a holiday um you know so we're already looking at you know tuesday wednesday thursday friday uh four more days hopefully we will be getting some news soon all of that said, let's move on to our next story. So this time we're actually going to go over to The Verge with an article by Ash Parrish, which reads, Overwatch contenders teams go on strike mid-broadcast. 
Now, this is a bit of an interesting one. Um, it's a little little bit of a read, I suppose. Uh, but I'm going to give the whole thing, or read the whole thing. So go on over to The Verge and give, uh, give Ash the click on the article here and take a look at it. So it's going to look like this. Blizzard is facing another walkout of sorts. This time, it's players in the regional Overwatch Contenders Tournament. After a competitive ruling ended a match prematurely, players in the European Overwatch Contenders Summer Series Tournament refused to play. In the off week of the Overwatch League, as teams rest up from the beautiful chaos of the midseason madness tournament, last week, Blizzard ran an Overwatch Contenders tournament to fill the time. Just like midseason madness, the Overwatch Contenders Summer Series is a double limb tournament with a winner's bracket and a loser's bracket. Today's European winner's bracket final, the game that would determine which team would go on to the grand final and which team would fall to the loser's bracket final, was between 01 Esports and Munich Esports and was, according to several players involved and the tournament's rules website, listed as a best of seven. In Overwatch League proper, it's not typical for matches other than the Grand Finals to be a best of seven. Knowing that, a player from Munich Esports reached out to a Blizzard tournament administrator to confirm if the match was indeed best of seven and received confirmation and reassurance that the winner's final was a best of seven. And with that, the two teams played. Munich Esports went up 3-0, however. 01 Esports hit the gas and started to turn it around, winning the next two maps, bringing the score 3-2. It's here when all hell breaks loose. Blizzard tournament admins abruptly called the match, citing that the game was intended to be a best of five, not a best of seven. Since Munich Esports was the first team to three maps, they were awarded the win. This caused a major major and furious backlash against Blizzard on social media as players from Munich Esports and O1 Esports stated sharing screenshots of conversations with tournament admins confirming they had been told the match would be best of seven. Since O1 Esports was immediately scheduled to play in the loser's bracket against another team, they coordinated with their new opponents, Ex Oblivione, to essentially strike. Then, in the article here, they have a tweet embedded from Ex Oblivione's Twitter account, which says official statement. Ex Oblivione, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's kind of fun to say it like that. So, Ex Oblivione, alongside many others within the contender scene, are distraught regarding the decision made for the match between O1 Esports and Munich Esports and the issues that have occurred following multiple errors on Blizzard's end. We believe this, in combination with the general lack of communication, has affected the competitive integrity of this tournament. We hereby refuse to continue our series until the issues have been addressed. We apologize to all viewers watching the match and hope you understand the article continues aaron Ange or Ange, i'm not too sure which dijong a main support player on 01 esports spoke to the verge about what happened quote because of our loss we had to play against ex oblivione in the losers bracket he said quote we made an agreement with them that this was unacceptable and that blizzard can't treat players like this we agreed with ex oblivione to not play the game but we wanted to make a statement so we decided to play the game but not actually compete in the broadcast below, you can see that neither team is playing earnestly. Players stand around and refuse to play the objective. It's a fantastic bit of collective action that's also pretty funny, especially as the casters start to realize that nobody's taking this seriously. After this demonstration, the broadcast was paused and subsequently ended. Shortly after that, a tweet from Ex Oblivione player Helv, text of an in-game chat in which a tournament admin threatened to disqualify both teams if they refused to play. They then have the uh, tweet... Uh, embedded there from Helve, uh, containing the screenshots they just described. The article continues, Players and fans started using the hashtag, hashtag ContendersStrike to bring attention to the issue, and it gained enough traction to become a trending topic on Twitter. 
Overwatch contenders did put out a statement on Twitter explaining what happened and the next steps. Then the tweet embedded from at OWPathToPro, the Overwatch contenders uh, Twitter account, which reads, prior to the start of the EU upper bracket finals and the A-side uh, finals of the A-Sides Summer Series Tournament between O1 Esports and Munich Esports. Teams received information stating that this series would be played as a first-to-four series. This information conflicted with the official rules distributed at the start of the tournament, which stated that the match would be a first-to-three series. During the match, tournament administrators identified the error and halted the series, declaring Munich Esports as the winner and direct as directed by the official rules. After investigating the circumstances, we have determined that maintaining consistency within our most recent communication to teams, which stated that the match was a first-to-four series, is the fairest course of action. As a result, the series will resume tomorrow, Friday, July 28th, 29th, sorry, as a first-to-four series, with Munich Esports landing, leading 3-2 to two and in possession of the next map choice. Exoblivione and O1 Esports will not be disqualified for their demonstration, and Munich, oh, sorry, the article continues with this, and Munich Esports and O1 Esports will be able to continue the match as a best of seven. Though this is pl- the player's desired outcome, others feel that the miscommunications and subsequent fallout is indicative of larger problem of a larger problem of Blizzard and its treatment of semi-pro Overwatch Esports. Quote, Blizzard needs to own up to their lack of communication between Blizzard staff and the teams. This is uh, at Kev HX, general manager of Ex Oblivione, tells The Verge over Discord. It happens way too often that we lack semi-critical information or receive it very late, end quote. Think of Overwatch Contenders as minor league baseball. It has its own structure, is run by third-party tournament org- organizers, and it's w- it's the well from which future Overwatch League players are tapped. Unfortunately, players, coaches, and fans of Contenders feel like it's not given the proper support from Blizzard, especially given that without a thriving amateur ecosystem, teams in the league would have a hard time finding talent to fill their ranks. Quote, It's important to note that this is that just this decision made by Blizzard isn't the only reason for the outroar. End quote. O1 Esports Tank at Crandop OW tells The Verge in a DM, quote, Blizzard has done a polite put poor job at communicating with the contenders participants and this felt like the last drop so that was a bit of a bit of a a a mouthful for me to read in some instances but i hope you i hope you stuck with me through it and i hope you caught most of that um really an interesting one here because you do i think see it uh, it being demonstrated the sort of lack of lack of communication and lack of support that the overwatch contenders team frequently gets now it's in a way understandable because you know if the overwatch league is obviously struggling in some ways to uh, build its own audience it's no surprise that uh, the the contender scene the league below that is also struggling in that same sense that doesn't mean it's any less quality that doesn't mean it's uh, any less competitive or anything like that it just means that you know in theory blizzard might have to put more resources into it to actually bring it up to par with uh, with what they put forward in the overwatch league proper um so honestly good on the players good on the teams for communicating for rallying together for uh petitioning in this way and for you know forcing some change hopefully the overwatch league uh and the overwatch contenders scene sort of see some change resultant from this um and are able to make strides to really improve their product and of course their own competitive integrity 
So that was an art, a long one, as I said. So go to theverge.com and look up this article by Ash Parrish. That was called Overwatch Contenders Teams Go on Strike Mid-Broadcast. Also, if you haven't seen it, check out the clip of what actually happened because it is super interesting and super funny if uh, if you know Overwatch at all. Uh, the two teams do start. Um, they are on, uh, is it Nepal? I think Nepal, um, the, the sort of final round of nepal i can't remember one of the nepal maps and uh the two teams run up together and then they do uh they do a couple different 1v1s so each team has a torb player they do a torb hammer 1v1 um then they also do an orisa 1v1 and it's it was actually a lot of fun um when i first saw it i was very confused at what was happening because i did not realize this was going on uh but then i you know caught up on the details and, and it was pretty enjoyable to watch honestly so let's continue with the news the next article we're going to look at is from Dexerto.com, written by Eleni Thomas, and takes us on over to... Oh, I already said Dexerto. But it reads like this. Overwatch sales catapult. Uh, thanks to Overwatch 2 Watchpoint Pack Beta Access. The recent release of the Overwatch 2 Watchpoint Pack has made a massive impact on the overall sales of the game. Available for purchase now, the expansion gave players the opportunity to get into the game's beta before it goes live for everyone on October 4th. Just that small reason, beta access, is the reason why Overwatch is catapulting up the sales rankings in a way not seen since the game's initial release in 2016. According to NPD, Overwatch jumped from the 57th most purchased game to 5th between May and June 2022. This leap is a massive improvement and something that no other game has done in 2022. They've then actually got a screenshot of the uh, NPD report here, which shows the rankings. So in the first position, we of course see the wonderful Elden Ring, which uh, I myself have been playing over on twitch.tv slash SirDrJam, as well as in my personal time, and I'm actually coming up to the end of uh, pretty soon here. In number two, we have Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. In number three, we have the new release Mario Strikers Battle League. In number four, we have MLB The Show 2022. In number five, we have, of course, Overwatch, published by Activision Blizzard Corp. And it's super interesting because they have the rank last month for each of these games. So uh, the current rank and rank last month was uh, in number one was Elden Ring. Number two and number two was Lego Star Wars. Number three was the new uh, Mario Strikers game. And then number four, uh, last month, was MLB Show in fifth place, moved up to fourth. And then Overwatch with a stunning 57th place. That's absolutely crazy. Now, I mean, also a little bit interesting, if we look down at the ninth position, uh, we see Final Fantasy VII Remake jumping from 159th to ninth place. So that's exciting. But I digress. Uh, This is about Overwatch. This is an Overwatch podcast. So... Uh, let's keep reading the article. Elden Ring, Mario Strikers, Battle League, Lego Star Wars, The Skywalker Saga, and MLB The Show 2022 are the other four games to round out the top five in June 2022. Uh, if I keep reading on here, uh, uh, yep, there we go. However, for Overwatch fans hoping for a renaissance of the hero shooter, this is as strong an indication as any that the hype is brewing. Now it's a matter of waiting and seeing whether its launch in October will impact sales further. So, a uh, good thing to see there. The, the, again, like as the article points out there, it's kind of funny because the Watchpoint pack had Overwatch 1 included as a free uh, download. I mean, quote-unquote free because you were buying the Watchpoint pack. So, really, you're getting the game for, you know, however much it was, 40 or 60 bucks, depending on if you're in uh, uh, the States or Canada. Um, 
So, you know, you're paying for access to the beta, but you got a copy of the game for free, but you got a couple extra goodies. Um, I personally was one of the people that bought the Watchpoint pack, uh, partially because I wanted the beta access, but mostly because I'm willing to pay for for Overwatch 2. Um, Had Overwatch 2 been a full retail release, I would have bought the game. Uh, So in this case, you know, I count this as the full release um, or or the, the price tag barrier to entry kind of thing. I get a couple extra goodies. I'm jazzed about that. And of course, I got access to the beta, so I got to play it a little bit early, which was also awesome. So I digress. Really exciting to see this. Um, the interest that this shows in Overwatch, I think, is a pretty clear indication that uh, when Overwatch 2 does launch, especially given it is going to be free to play, it has even less of a barrier to entry than the uh, Watchpoint pack. Um, I think all signs point to pretty massive sales. Um, I'd be surprised if Overwatch isn't one of the top top five games again uh, come October. And if I'm looking at the calendar, man, we are close. We are two months away from finally getting major access to Overwatch 2. How crazy is that? Uh, by the time you're listening to this, um, you know, it's going to be around August 3rd. And that means September 3rd, October 3rd. That means two months away. Really exciting stuff there. Moving on from there, we're going to head on, or we're going to stick with actually, Dexerto.com. This time with an article by Lawrence Scotty, posted on July 31st which reads, Overwatch 2 skin prices could reach up to $45. Now I'm going to read the first tiny little bit of this article, then I'm going to jump over to another article. So again, go over to Dexerto.com and give Lawrence the click on his article here, and then give the second article that I'll reference a click as well. But let me read this one. Overwatch 2's sequel is rapidly approaching as fans have growing have grown increasingly excited for the sequel. The game is set to rework a ton of iconic characters as well as systems, including the removal of loot boxes in favor of a battle pass and an in-game shop where players can purchase specific cosmetics rather than relying on the luck of the draw like in the past. Now, as we draw closer to the re- release date of October 4th, specific price ranges for future skins may have been potentially revealed, and they may cost a pretty penny. Twitter user Porter Gage went viral after sharing a post that showed what Blizzard is planning on making Overwatch 2 skins priced at. They said, quote, a friend of mine got an Overwatch survey for his account. Some of these prices they're gauging for Overwatch 2 are really expensive. I hope this is just him getting one of the higher price surveys and not an indication that they're leaning towards this much monetization. End quote. The article continues. The survey questions asked the likelihood they would buy a mythic skin at a $44.99 price tag and a legendary skin at $24.99. On top of that, the company also tested the price of $4.99 for three sprays, $19.99 for an emote, and $9.99 for a weapon charm. With the complete removal of loot boxes, Blizzard will be shifting everything optioned in loot boxes over to obtainable content either in the Battle Pass or bought from the shop. It's likely that this is Blizzard merely testing out price points, and it's unlikely these prices will stay this way at launch. Now, I said I wasn't going to read the whole article, but uh, it actually had a lot of the good information in there. So I did read that one. Now, my initial thoughts on that, I, I read this article and I thought, this is just a survey. Like, yeah, they 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 probably would love to charge forty five bucks for a mythic skin and twenty five bucks for a legendary skin. I personally don't think they're that crazy. I don't think they could get away with that. Um, I think that's pretty egregious. I would say a single skin probably tops out at, I want to say twenty twenty five dollars. Um, and with that, I would even say they probably want people 
I think $20 is enough that they would get enough people buying them. Um, whereas you go up to 25, 30, I think when you're doing that, you save that for special event things like potentially, um, you know, the, the pink, uh, mercy skin that came out to support breast cancer awareness and things like that. Um, at least that's my hope. Now, if I actually take a look and compare this to, to, I mean, realistically, a, a similar ish blizzard property or similarly monetized blizzard property property it's kind of interesting what we see i'm talking of course of world of warcraft so if i go on over to us.shop.battle.net and i take a look at the world of warcraft uh purchasable items on the store here um i think this kind of gives us a little maybe a little peek into the monetization they might be hoping to go for with overwatch now i do think that overwatch is a vastly different game um, and actually what might even be a better comparison or a more apt comparison is looking at something like call of duty but guess what with the power of the internet we can do both so first let's look at world of warcraft then i'll jump over to an article that i just pulled up about call of duty and i think it's actually about call of duty mobile but with a quick google search it was the first thing i found so i'm gonna quote that one so if we look at the world of warcraft uh sort of purchasable items the first thing I want to look at is mounts. Uh, mounts, of course, items that you know you use pretty frequently when you play World of Warcraft. Uh, flying mounts, uh, non-flying mounts. Uh, I don't know what else they have now because I haven't played World of Warcraft for a while. But I digress. Let's take a look here. So if we look at the prices in Canadian dollars, of course, we see a lot of the mounts sitting at, I'm actually surprised it's this high, $32. Uh, we see some sort of more basic mounts, the mounts that appear to be, yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's a couple here that look pretty basic, and they're at $19. Um, beyond that, though, a lot of flying mounts listed at 32 but then they do have a few that uh, are not flying mounts. They appear to just be ground mounts. They're also listed at 32 um, and as we scroll through the list here, uh, goes all the way up to there's one that is 38. So I've got to assume that one is kind of a super special mount for some weird reason. Um, but in any case, the fact is we're looking at 19, 32, and then th uh, $38 for mounts. So I'm actually, <laughs> I'm kind of eating my own words here. I should have done this research before, before I was live on the show. Um, I'm shocked that they're that high and that they actually sell. Now, I do think the World of Warcraft crowd is a little bit different. If you're still paying a monthly subscription to World of Warcraft, you're you're pretty locked in and you're pretty sticking with the game. Um, so maybe they can count on you to to fork over that money. If we look at pets, which I think are, you know, uh, sort of more so, I mean, mounts are pretty vanity, but mounts also have a distinct purpose of, you know, increasing your riding speed and your travel speed and travel ability. Um, whereas pets are pretty well um more cosmetic but also you know they have the little battle mini game you can do um if you so choose i believe the the kind of pokemon-esque thing that they introduced a few iterations back i could be totally wrong about that but i digress if we look at these these guys are sitting at 1250 and i think that's pretty well across the board yeah i just went through all of them and those are all 12 dollars 50 now they do have a couple other things you know fireworks um uh, Transmore for Beacon, those are $12.50 each. Uh, they've got a few cosmetic items listed at $19 and $25. And then they've got some services like name changes, um, race changes, uh, things like that, um, you know, character transfers. Um, and those range kind of, you know, name changes $12.50. 
race change is 32 faction change 32 character transfer 32 um you know boost your character to level 60 is 75 dollars that's a that's a pretty high one but but i digress these 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 prices are pretty varied um however i think the two that are kind of important to look at are mounts and then probably the pets so pets being on the cheaper end with 1250 and then the mounts kind of escalating from there uh looking at more like you know 19 on average they're definitely the average is going to be that 32 price point so interesting stuff to pull from that you know we know that in overwatch 2 we're going to have different cosmetics we're going to have these uh these uh weapon charms we're going to have sprays just like always um we're going to have emotes we're going to have uh, uh voice lines um we're also going to have the the sort of victory scenes and things like that um so they do have some room to play and then of course on top of all that we have skins now i would argue that skins are kind of the the most uh sort of the most impactful ones because that's you know that's what your character looks like that's what everyone sees you as um and man you know i would hope they don't go as high as 45 but if they want those to be really limited and they really want to create an economy of you know certain people like of, of rarity kind of thing when it comes to these skins the evidence points to they could be realistically going as high as 45 uh, you know, again, I'm eating my own words here because I really did not think they would want to go that high, um, but it certainly could be the case. Now, let's jump over to the Call of Duty uh, article that I pulled up here. So again, this is actually Call of Duty Mobile, and this is an article from 2020, um, but it talks about weapon skins, and it says that uh, they were either $10 or $20 at the time. So that could be, you know, in my mind, that could be more like your charms, Um seemingly you know that that seems pretty reasonable to expect that um oh they also say here by comparison apex legends skins cost 11 dollars for limited time skins fortnites can go for anywhere from eight between eight and 20 so you know i could definitely see something like that i could see i could like i said i would hope that the the higher tier of skins uh are going to be more like that uh, 20 to 25 dollar range and then from there it's the super special event things but super special event could be mythic you know that could mean that your mythic skins are going to be 30 to 40 to 45 dollars um, so interesting stuff there honestly uh, you know the the evidence the evidence does point to uh, contrary to what i was originally arguing now this also leads us into our final story of the week of the episode which is actually from a website called pcgamesn.com, which I don't think I've ever read from. This is an article by Chris J. Capel, posted, actually updated on August 1st. I believe it was also posted on August 1st, which reads, Overwatch 2 skins survey did not include final pricing, Blizzard says. With Activision Blizzard, players worry about Overwatch 2 microtransactions after Diablo Immortal, and one survey says Overwatch 2 skins may be premium price. After the ruckus around Diablo, Diablo Immortal microtransactions, you'd hope that Activision Blizzard would calm down with pricing on its next game, but it's possible Overwatch 2 skins could individually cost as much as $45, according to a new survey. So they then go through, they talk basically about exactly what uh, what I read through on the previous article. But the important part here is if we fast forward all the way to the end, they have the update also from August 1st, which reads, August 1st, 2022, an Overwatch spokesperson says the prices in the survey were randomized per user and do not reflect the final pricing for overwatch 2 skins so that's actually interesting that is specific enough to make me think that uh 
it really you know they they're obviously considering it they wouldn't they wouldn't have it in the survey if they weren't considering it but it does make me uh kind of think that you know they're clearly trying to gauge what appropriate pricing looks like um you know they they probably have a few different sort of pricing tiers uh for that survey you know call it whatever if they have maybe maybe even if they only have two options right they have this one survey that goes out saying $25 for legendary and 45 for uh, mythic and then they have another survey that goes out and says uh you know 15 for legendary and 25 for mythic um you know it could be something like that but again that response from from blizzard like i say is specific enough that to me it sounds like uh that's that's probably truthful that it was somewhat randomized again they're obviously considering these prices no matter what but it's interesting to uh to hear that uh that you know it's not final obviously we knew it wasn't final but uh nice to see that kind of confirmation so so that's what we've got there and that my friends is actually all of the news that i have to talk about this week it wasn't super heavy on the news um obviously you know i even even stretched and jumped around a little bit there um and honestly i'm glad i pulled up the price point comparisons for from uh, world of warcraft and call of duty because i think that is an apt uh, sort of comparison to make obviously one side being the more activision side the other side being the more blizzard side but we do know that activision has been seemingly having more and more of a, a sway when it comes to blizzard um, in recent years and obviously we also know that they kind of bungled uh, the microtransaction side of things with diablo immortal so it'll be really interesting to see what shakes out in the coming months um i do kind of hope that they get ahead of some of the sort of potentially well actually let me let me put it this way if there's going to be sort of a lot of negative reception around things like prices um of either i don't know battle passes or in-game points in-game currencies um, or you know skins and things like that i do hope that they release some some information ahead of time so that they can kind of get that negative press out before they move into the uh the the, the full-on hype cycle um and the actual release of the game i hope it's not like we're seeing articles of talking about the release and they're all talking about how you know a single skin costs 25 dollars or 45 dollars or whatever um they do still actually or they still are yet to show us those mythic skins in game um which is another sort of aspect of uh, that's going to be really really cool and really exciting so i think they've got a ton of stuff that they still need to show us they still need to talk about they still need to unveil but at the same time you know we don't want everything spoiled uh but but i do kind of hope that they they put something out there talking about uh what exactly we're going to see with these myth mythic skins and uh how they're going to work and things like that a little bit more so with all of that said, I think we'll wrap up the show and take us on over to the outro. Now arriving at Ilios. And there you have it. That is the end of episode 81 of One Man Watchpoint. This is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where you can tune in to catch up on all the latest and greatest news about Overwatch, Overwatch 2, the Overwatch beta, and everything Overwatch League related. Now, as I always say, if you are interested in following me, please check me out on Twitter at SirDrJM, that's at SirDRJM, and on Twitch at SirDRJM. That's right, the exact same handle. Um, of course, twitch.tv slash SirDrJM as well. Uh, why not give me a follow over on those platforms, and especially over on Twitter. You can tweet at me, you can DM me, you can reach out to me over there. Topics, questions, concerns about anything Overwatch related and anything video game related. I would love to bring it to the show. Um, I'll give you a credit, I'll give you a shout out and everything. I just want to talk about video games and cool stuff. 
uh, especially obviously around Overwatch, but expanding out from there as well. Um, if you do tune into my Twitch, definitely drop a line in the chat, you know, say hi, say where you're from. Um, let me know you came from One Man Watchpoint. That would actually mean a lot to me because I really have no idea who's even listening to this little old podcast of mine. So it's always exciting when people jump in the Twitch chat, um, but it's even more exciting or it would be even more exciting if I found out you came from the podcast because I, I don't think anyone has joined me and strictly been a listener of the podcast. So that would be pretty pretty exciting. Now you can, of course, find One Man Watchpoint on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow on those platforms, leave us a review, tell your friends. If you leave a review, I will read it out on the next episode um, and all that jazz. Um, and of course, if you like the sound of my voice, check me out over on Ready, Set, Pwn, your premier source for all things Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defined, available on podcast services everywhere. Now, once again, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week where we will have a little bit more to talk about. Hopefully we'll have some more news to talk about, but we'll also have a whole bunch of games, four days worth of games to preview um, and talk about and look into a little bit as the Overwatch League will be returning the week after next. So expect your next episode after this one to drop on the 10th of August, which of course means games will be happening the next day. Victory!